You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, we're doing a bit of land speculation and fab facts. We're off to Venice for the randomizer. Red alert! Chris Bentley, stand by to launch. That's all coming up in pod 227 of the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Very staccato. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Hello. Hello. Jerry Anderson podcast. Me, Jamie oh, yes. Anderson, you, Richard James. Yep. Him also, yeah. Chris Dalek. Right, okay. Mm. Is that it? Um, you, news, fab facts, uh, randomizer, <laughs> emails, <laughs> and stuff. Okay, great. I see what you're doing. You're trying to be even more brief than I was last week. <laughs> yeah, not very successfully, but I'm trying. <laughs> and that's what counts. Yeah, okay. I mean, you've just about summed it up there. Yeah, basically, it's 90 minutes of Jerry Anson stuff. We were here every yeah. week and we keep doing it for some reason. And you keep listening for some also unknown reason. But thank yes. you for doing it, Podstrons. Yeah, and if yeah, you're just yeah, listening yeah. now, you are a Podstron officially yes. because we're in your ears. That's right. And I have proof <sighs> that people, even now, after 226 pods, are still joining us for the first time. And proof? that proof is coming up a little later on. Oh, yes, I can't wait for it. proof that we have new listeners every week. It's incredible, isn't it? Well, thank you for joining yeah, us, whether you're yeah, old, they, new... They replace the old ones, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ones Before that give the up. I, think yeah, I can't bear yeah. any more of this. <laughs> uh, I think they call that churn, don't they? Listener churn. That does sound very uh, official, yeah. yes. It does. Churn, churn. <laughs> anyway, um, well, we've done all the intro stuff now. Have we? Is that it? I Did you mention so. that uh, we've got some emails and Facebook posts and well, YouTube I said comments there's some tweets stuff. from our podcast? That's the stuff thing. Did um, you mention that people could also subscribe to us on whichever platform they're listening to us on and leave us a review or, or rating no. or even copy the link and put it on the, all their socials? No, I forgot to say that bit. Oh, well, you're not doing it properly then, are you? No. Hmm. No. Sorry, right. sorry, Fine. sorry, Richard James. Sorry, Podstrom. Yes, that's okay. I feel like you know, if you want a job down. doing, do it yourself. That's what I was saying. But it's fine. I'm going to make up for it with this week's fab fact. Oh joy! Now, time for this week's fab facts. Ah, well, as I what? promised, it's a fab fact. Well, it might be a fab fact. Basically, I've got yes. a book here which is full to the brim of fab it facts. Is. Yes. And every week I flick through it, and Richard shouts fab, which stops me flicking at a random location in the book, and then I read to you, yeah, dear yeah, Podseron, yeah. the fab yeah. fact from that page. And it's up to you, really, to decide whether it is fab or not. But either way, it will still be a fact. That's true. Are you ready for this week's fab fact? Born ready. Always. I love the way you always drop an octave when you say that. It's terrifying. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, let's let's do this thing. Here come the flicking of the pages. Uh, off we go. Oh, fuck! Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Bit of a stumble. A thumb a, stumble. A, a, a thumble. Um, yeah, <laughs> ha- almost half wow. of the entire book slipped under really? my thumb in one chunk. Well, does that mean we've got to do it again, or are you no, happy to no, proceed? No, no, I'm very happy to proceed, oh, so it's fine. Okay. Uh, in like fact, because we're going somewhere rather exciting. Are we? What now? Rich, yes, 
but only oh, okay. in the world of Fab Facts. Now, Richard, oh, as you know, one of the key locations in the Anderson universe after the Earth and the Moon, mm-hmm. of course, was mm-hmm. Mars. Ah, yes, yes. Yes. Sure. So Mars was the home of the Rock Snakes in Thunderbirds Argo, the home of the yeah. Mistrons in Captain Scarlet, the home of Zelda, well, I say home, the adopted home, the stolen home of yes. Zelda in Terrorhawks, and the home of the other Mistrons in New Captain Scarlet. Yeah. Now, Mars, yeah. of course, as you well know, has been a prominent world in the science fiction universe, but it certainly played a key role in all of those Anderson shows, and I'm sure there will be yeah. some other mentions of Mars too. However, did you know, Richard and Podsterons, that Dad himself actually owned land on Mars? He did what? He owned land on Mars. Oh, yes, 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 he did. In April 2004, for his 75th birthday, members of the Fanderson Committee gifted him a 10-acre plot of land in Quadrant India on the Red Planet, including full mineral rights, which were all outlined in a Martian deed (laughs) that hung on Dad's wall at his office at Pinewood Studios. Mineral rights? Uh, Yes, indeed. Now, you, I'm sure, will be scratching your head and may well be asking, was all of this possible? Yeah. Uh, Well, because in 1980, uh, there was an uh, an enterprising fellow by the name of Dennis Hope. Now, he marched into his local U.S. government office for claim registries, Mm -hmm. the San Francisco County seat, and made a claim for the entire lunar surface, as well as the surface of all eight other planets in our solar system and their moons, except, of course, for Earth and the Sun, because that would be both greedy and foolish. Now, at first, the staff in this place thought it was a joke, but he persisted on the grounds that there was no law saying individuals couldn't buy land on other planets. Only corporations were banned from doing so. He then elevated this claim to the governments of the US and USSR at the time and the General Assembly of the United Nations. And because nobody ever got back to him, he was able to go into business selling off parts of the moon and Mars and various other celestial bodies. What? <laughs> now, really? I should add that in recent years, it looks like the validity of this claim has been challenged, although uh, he is still selling plots of land. Now, regardless mm. of the technicality of all this, yeah. it was still a very nice thing for that committee to do for Dad. Yes. Uh, and uh, if you too would like to own a piece of the moon or Mars, do go and look at Dennis Hope's online store. Just be aware the land is not cheap and the sales transaction may indeed not be valid. So, wow. uh, there you go. That's fascinating. <laughs> uh, well, all of which begs the question, mm. does this deed still exist? Well, How long was it in the office for? Where, well, have you got it? No, uh, have well, you got the rights? Hang on. Mm? Let me tell you this. Yeah. In 2007 or 8, yeah. Dad relinquished his lease on his office at Pinewood, which is a very sad thing for him to do. And when he did it... As usual with his um, lack of nostalgia, he wanted to get rid of pretty much everything in his office. Uh-huh. Uh, so there was an auction held uh, and he got rid of pretty much everything that was in there, including, must I, might I add, my fake sleeping cat, which I loaned to him so he could Aww. joke with somebody. Yeah. Because he wants... <laughs> once had a meeting in his office with this fake cat on the seat somebody pointed it out and he picked it up and threw it out the window <laughs> uh, so Great. I have a feeling that the uh, he did the same with Lou the, Hirsch once the, <laughs> well Lou shouldn't have been sleeping on that seat um, <laughs> so yes I have a feeling the Martian deeds went the same way as my oh. fake cat not just yeah. out the window but in fact sold at auction 
so right. it may be that out there someone has Jerry Anderson's <laughs> deeds for his Martian plot. Amazing. That's wonderful. Um, so, yes, if you've got those, do email us, podcast at jerryanderson.com. If you own yeah. any area of the moon or Mars or elsewhere from Mr. Hope, yeah. then we'd love to know more. But uh, I mean, I, I'm just looking at the website now, actually, and you can buy land on Mars for anywhere between $29.99 uh, or $504.80. Gosh. Yeah, so it's entirely possible. As to the validity of it, I've no idea, but... Uh, yes. Nice thing to hang on the wall. That's yeah, a bit of fun thing to hang on the, hang on the wall, but I mean, I don't think he was ever going to use the... Uh, Mining rights. No. Uh, no, no. Up there. That's right. no, but you never know, maybe in, in years to come, it could be an incredibly valuable, valuable asset, yeah, but I suspect right. not. No. <laughs> Fair enough. There you go. Well, there's an unexpected um, fab fact. That, I like it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of us were expecting that. <laughs> no, no, that's nice. Uh, so, uh, if unless you have anything else to add, I think that probably brings us to the end of this one. Yeah, yeah? I think so. Good. Yeah. Then, here we are at the end of this week's. Mars deed fact. fact. You see, you went for the obvious again, and I'm pretty sure yet again that we've probably had a Mars fact at some point. Doesn't matter if we've had one before. Does it? Just trying to be original. Okay, fine. Next (laughs) week, I'll try and be incredibly original. Oh, I look forward to that. First time for everything. Uh, now, people, our lovely podstrons at home, that's you, have been emailing us at podcast.jerryanderson.com. You might not have done, but certain of podstrons have been. And maybe you can too. Oh, I'm getting myself confused. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm, Paul I'm Hyde. utterly confused. <laughs> this is, of course, Ambassador Paul Hyde, and he's taking oh, yes. you to task, Jamie. I'm often taking task every week now, actually. Yep. Uh, hello, Rich and Jamie. Ambassador, uh, Ambassador, Ambassador Paul Hyde from the Isle of Wight. I have a bone to pick with you to uh, uh, while getting ready to listen to the Thunderbirds Day FAB live and searching Facebook. Oh yes, I could not find it, so I went on my PC and no, it was not there either. I eventually found it on YouTube, but I missed most of it, and I did not know that there was a special Fab Live at 5:30 either, so I missed that also. Anyway, Randover, I just listened to Thunderbirds versus the Hood. Well, what can I say? Brilliant. Both stories. The Brains is Dead was fantastic, and it had me on the edge of my seat. Very well done. I think you have redeemed yourself. Oh. Thank you, Ambassador Paul Hyde. Well, I'm very glad to have redeemed myself, uh, Paul. Yes. Actually, I'll tell you what. We would love to know how we can make it easier for you all to find the lives. Yeah. Yes. sometimes people do miss them, and we try our best to yep. publicise them. We put them on Facebook, and we put them on YouTube. Yep. Mention them on the podcast. Periscope, Twitter, yep. Twitch, all those yeah. different channels, and yet some and people still miss them. So, Paul, where would you like to see it? Where can we most easily kind of make mm. you aware of these things? Mm. Do feel free to uh, email in any, any podstron, podcast at jerryanson.com, and we'll do our best to better uh, publicise these things. I mean, I'm happy to drive around in an open-top car with a loud hailer on the day of broadcast, Amazing. letting everyone know. I'm not sure yeah? Paul will happy hear you from oh. the Isle of Wight when we're in Slough. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, this is from Jonathan Westall, who says, Greetings, Jamie, Richard, Chris, and Podstrons. Hoping you are all keeping well. I'm enjoying listening to the podcast every week. Um, you? Yeah, Jonathan mm. says, I've recently listened to the new audios that were released on Thunderbirds Day, and I have to say that I absolutely enjoyed every minute of them. Oh, the TV21 Audio Annual was a great selection of stories from the original annuals, all brilliantly read by Nick Briggs and Wayne Forrester. Thunderbirds vs. The Hood was absolutely FAB, especially the episode Brains is Dead, which I found absolutely thrilling from start to finish. Great work from everyone involved in making these audiobooks. I look forward to hearing more stories, including the next Thunderbirds audio, Fire and 
and fury in the not-too-distant future. My question is this. When are we going to get another series of the Space 1999 audio drama? I really enjoyed the previous releases and want to hear more. Keep up the good work. Cheers from Jonathan Westall. Well, Jonathan, I'm very glad that you've enjoyed the Thunderbirds audios. The team did a fantastic mm. job on those, I would say. Yes. Uh, cast and crew alike. For Space 1999, I think there's module next year, maybe? Oh, I mean, they're normally kind of one or two a year and kind of April, September. So Mm. one or both of those dates, I would guess. Lovely. Hope that Uh, helps. Mark has got in touch. Yeah, to say, hi, Jamie, Richard and Chris. I thought you'd appreciate this picture as I've just received my Space 1999 Breakaway Day 2022 Special Limited Edition T-shirt and I've worn it out today to celebrate International Coffee Day. Oh, and Thunderbirds Day, which was yesterday for us. It's brilliant and very comfy. Oh, and I love the podcast artwork, FAB. From Mark. That sounds like a whole load of thumbs up to me. Really does, yeah. Hello, Mr. Richard James and Mr. Jamie Anderson, uh, says Hugh Porter. I hope you are all well and having a nice week. Also, to all the Podstrons out there around the world, I'm emailing today to say that I have recently ordered my own copies of Standby for Action concert DVD, Anything Can Happen audio annual, a Spectrum comic, and lastly but not least, the one I'm most excited for, Stingray. After roughly three years, the soundtrack is finally going to be released and just a week after my 18th birthday. My heart also melted in excitement when I opened the Ander app to see the Stingray soundtrack cover. It would be a wonderful gift for myself. Cheers! Before I end this email, says Hugh, I have a fab fact. Ooh! Did you know that Fab Live, according to Google, is a TV programme with the first air date to be 14th of April 2021? Well, Google, you're wrong. Uh, Lastly, but not least, any news of a DVD release of Jerry Anderson and Life Uncharted? I haven't watched the documentary yet, and I'm waiting for a physical copy release. Kind regards, Hugh Porter. Um, Well, Mm. physical copies, Mm. I mean, we said they would happen. Definitely happening. Uh, I'm not at this stage at liberty to say exactly when, Ah, but I wouldn't think it'll be too long now. Sure, sure. Okay. And obviously, this is the place to listen if you want to know when. That's Absolutely, I think yeah. uh, probably a, a nice um, uh, Christmas present. People maybe. Anyway, oh, okay. well, since anyway, you mentioned yes. the doc, can I just throw in? Yeah. Congratulations yeah. to uh, director Benjamin Field oh, yeah. um, and the rest of the team actually on our nomination for best feature documentary. Uh, in fact, best documentary at the Content mm. Innovation Awards which is nice. uh, Television Broadcast okay. International's uh, awards ceremony. So up against some great stuff, Brilliant. including a Brian Cox uh, documentary. Oh, so yeah. that's rather nice. But just, you know, really, really lovely to see what is effectively quite a niche documentary get uh, yeah. a, a nomination for a, a fairly significant uh, awards ceremony. There. Absolutely. So, yeah, yep. congratulations, Ben and team. And um, well lovely deserved. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark and Kaz have got in touch to say hi Jamie, Richard and Chris compliments from us both on your new podcast artwork we both think it's a very nice picture fun, bright, cheery, friendly the team ready for adventure FAB, SIG, Mark and Kaz oh thanks Mark and Kaz yeah friendly, bright and cheery is uh, the tone that we aspire to and and mostly fail to achieve Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Just a couple more. This one's from Jonathan Spencer. Dear Jamie, Richard and Chris, I wanted to say I'm so impressed by the special edition of the UFO Technical Manual. All those extra treats look wonderful. I immediately had to pre-order it. I can't wait to receive it all. I was racking my brains as to what the extra features would be before they were announced. And the first thing that popped into my head was, will there be a purple wig included? 
It was a wild thought. I'm very happy with the ephemera that is included. Unexpected surprises. And just a quick thought. Do you think you'd ever sell purple wigs in the store? Maybe limited stock because of production costs? It would be so awesome. Anywho, I think I've waffled too much. Keep up the good work, chaps, and watch the skies. Jonathan Spencer. Incredibly niche. Mm. Um, He's I, obviously got a thing for the purple wigs. Yeah, I mean, you can get them online generally. I mean, I, I bought sure. one off of uh, Amazon. Um, yeah. So there you go. I mean, I, it's probably a bit too um, sort of novelty, I suppose. Yeah, and especially as it can be found elsewhere. Yeah, then. we're not opposed to having a, a bit of fun on the the store. Yeah, um, but it's yeah probably a bit too a bit too generic and a bit too novelty. I would sure. say. Sure. And finally, uh, Leah says, "Hello, guys. If Officer Castle was a Spectrum officer, she would be Lavender Castle." Fun mm-hmm. fact, I guess. Sig Leah. Nice. Thanks yeah. for that. Yes. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> that would work. Captain Lavender Castle. I don't see why not. As, but yeah, <laughs> but they should have thought of that. Oh, it was yeah. the wrong way around, uh, wasn't it? Now. Lavender Castle came later, of course. <laughs> it, Sorry. It was a bit, yes. Yeah. Uh, but if you have any ideas about what other characters from other Jerry Anderson series would be if they were in Captain Scarlet and a member of Spectrum, let us know uh, alongside everything else, your comments, reviews and thoughts at podcast at jerryanderson.com. Yes. I can't mm. off the top of my head think of any. No, nor can I. So, Too much like hard work. Yeah, let's just move on. We'll let on. the Podstrons do that. Well done. Off you go, Podstrons. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, would you like a little bit of Jerry Anderson news? <gasps> yes, I would. Good, because there's a little bit of Jerry Anderson news just the other side of this little musical sting. Here we go. Yes, Jerry Anderson, news in news, 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 as promised. So uh, here we go. Oh, there's lots of stuff. So let's start with a very quick roundup of last week. Uh, Terrorhawks Day. We sort of forgot Terrorhawks Day a little bit on the podcast. I'm so sorry, Zelda and co. Yeah. Uh, but don't worry, we'll make it up to you next year because it'll be Terrorhawks 40th anniversary in 2023. Core. Anyway, an anniversary that's closer at hand is Fireball's 60th anniversary. And so obviously you will have now heard all the details of the upcoming Fireball XL5 60th anniversary comic anthology, all the TV Century 21 strips together in the same place, together with TV 21 specials and uh, countdown strips as well, plus a new linking crossover adventure written and drawn by the legendary Lee Sullivan. It's a really lovely thing. More details on when that's going to be available very, very shortly, but you will be able to pre-order it from, well, this week, uh, from the 18th. That's very exciting. With more details announced very, very soon. But remember, there is going to be a special edition numbered uh, up to 250, signed by me and Lee, and uh, also comes with a, a unique print as well of Fireball Jr., However, there's not just that in terms of Fire Black Cell 5 coming out. We've also announced the special 7-inch mini-album edition of Fireball XL5, Cloud of a Billion Lights, starring Mark Silk, Genevieve Gaunt, Nick Briggs and me taking over the reins from Dad as Robert the Robot. It's a lovely little adventure. It's been specially re-edited for this 7-inch vinyl version. It's limited to a 1,000 units worldwide and it's pressed on a rather gorgeous flame effect vinyl, so a sort of yellow and orange flecked affair. It does look rather lovely. If you're more into Space 1999, then the Koenig Cosplay t-shirt top is back in stock by popular demand. It's finally back. 
you'll be very very pleased to know nice i'm fairly pleased it looks very smart and it's shipping right now so do pop along and grab that if you're looking for something more halloweeny for your cosplay then obviously the terrorhawk zelda mask is your go-to there it's absolutely terrifying and well worth a, a look i think now later this month also there's some special stuff coming from our friends at network now at the time of recording the news, I can't tell you about it because I'm not sure it's been announced yet. But if it has, isn't it great? If it hasn't, it will be great and you're going to enjoy it immensely. Fantastic. Uh, and finally, at the end of this week, we've got Thunderbirds Fire and Fury coming up for pre-order launch. That is the next two TV Century 21 comic adaptations for our full cast audio team. They sound fantastic. You may have seen the cover on the Thunderbirds Day Fab Live, but it's rather lovely, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. Have you heard Thunderbirds vs. the Hood so far? We'd love to know your thoughts on that. Do email us podcast at jerryanderson.com. Uh, and we've got a couple of other extra treats coming up for you for Fireball's 60th anniversary on the 28th of October. Yeah, looking forward to it. Oof, goodness me. Oh, and finally, it's uh, Jerome Willis's birthday this Sunday, the 23rd of October. So happy birthday in advance, Jerome. Uh, Richard's colleague there and uh, a dear departed friend so uh, yes a nice thing to round off the week celebrating the life and uh, career of Jerome Captain Podley Willis there we go right that's the end of this one there's no more now Jerry Anderson News that was the news that was the news correct lovely news it was, it was the news too. isn't it <laughs> yes I was right it certainly was the news. We're always full of it. Uh, and the news. Now, uh, what else have you got yes. for us, Richard James? Tell me. Well, now, uh, many of you will know that as well as uh, being a, 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 an integral part of this uh, podcast, the Podstrons have their own Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Podstrons, mm. the Jerry Anderson podcast official listeners group. Uh, search for it on Facebook, answer a few questions, uh, we'll let you in and you can join in all the fun. Uh, for example, Gary Hodgkinson says, uh, ah, now he posted a rather interesting picture and says, is this the life-size supercar for use on ice? as mentioned in a previous podcast. If you go to the site that has the photo, it also has a picture of the label on the rear of the photo, which gives most of the info that Jamie gave out. But surprisingly, it's 36 foot long. And looking at the photo, the guy's wearing a Mike Mercury mask. Mm. Ah, that was, uh, was it Robert, Robert? Oh, I would say Robert Gordon. Is that right? I don't know. Who is the actor that... Uh, I know, I think that's wrong. But I can't we mentioned an actor, didn't we? Yeah, but if he was wearing a mask, well, that might explain why he looked so much like Mike Mercury, I suppose. Uh, James Munro says, Another fun podcast today. Interesting fact that the Anderson on Ice idea has a precedent. Maybe for space prison on ice, the cast are going undercover at the space ice rink that they suspect is a front for illegal Lizarat fights. And a great episode of The Randomizer too. One of the best episodes of Stingray and a rare example, not just for Anderson shows, but for TV in general, of a let's do a comedy episode that is actually funny and not cringy. Mm. Yes great idea for a space precinct episode that's fun well you better get writing <laughs> right uh scott bicleke says does jamie know when the new thunderbirds audiobook fire and fury will be available to pre-order as i'm really desperate i really enjoy thunderbirds versus the hood and they were good i hope that there will be more john thaden adaptations too i do know but i can't mm. tell you yet oh well what use is that <laughs> well i'm just being honest really? yes fair enough. now you remember i uh, said earlier i was going to offer you proof that uh, we are still getting listeners to the podcast, even on our 227th edition. Go Here's on. Jeff Cope. 
He says, greetings from the Pacific Northwest of the US. I listened to my first episode yesterday and I'm already a fan. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Uh, he goes on to say, I watched Space 1999 as a kid and was next introduced to Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons. Thunderbirds soon followed. I loved them back in the day, but interest waned as the programs faded out of the pop culture zeitgeist here in the States. But it was reawakened in a big way with the announcement by Big Chief Studios of the Jerry Anderson collection of 3.75 inch figures. Now, I find myself tumbling down a Jerry Anderson rabbit hole and loving it. I've just discovered Space 1999 is streaming on Peacock and I've been watching the series for the first time in 40 years. Ah, oh, lovely. Isn't that amazing? That is brilliant. I love the way people find about the shows again or remind themselves yes. or yes. just stumble across things. It's um, that's right. rather marvellous in, in a very noisy um, world to find those things. Yeah, that's right. And the great thing is, you know, for the likes of us and for the Podstrons and fans of all this stuff, these shows are a constant in our lives. But imagine coming back to Space 1999, for example, after 40 years. Mm. <laughs> Sweet, isn't it? I like that. Yeah. Well, we'd love uh, to know, and, Jeff, uh, what, what surprised you most uh, going back mm. to it? What things you'd, you'd forgotten that um, made you smile? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Hannah says, I've just been looking at Jack Knoll's review of Stingray Rapture of the Deep from Security Hazard. Oh, yes, you can find that online. She says, I thought that it's quite a shame that some of the outfits were never seen again, especially Troy's. It was so beautifully designed. I'm sure that some outfits did make a few returns, but were worn by another character. However, I don't think I've seen any background characters wear this particular costume anywhere at all. It's quite a pity. What do you think? Now, we've discussed before, haven't we, Jamie, about puppets appearing uh, in other guises throughout the series. I guess they made use of, of costumes too, where they could. Yeah, I mean, a lot of recycling was done uh, wherever yeah. possible, but then equally, kind of, a lot of them were quite um, unique designs, I suppose, and so it makes it harder mm. to reuse them. I, I wonder what percentage yes. of the costumes ended up being just, just tossed, really. How many of them ended up in landfill, yeah. or how many were, you know, dyed, colour changed, or, or recut, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm sure somebody will do an encyclopedic effort to. Uh, of course, they will. Search Chris for the Dale. yeah. Well, well, I don't know. Is Chris yeah. Chris big on the costumes? Well, we'll ask him. Uh, I'll, I'll yeah. ask him after he's done his randomizer later. Yeah, yeah. Don't uh, don't don't disturb him just yet. But that's all for now. Now, a little later on, I'll be heading on over to our YouTube channel and reading some comments there, uh, including Jamie. And you'll be very interested to hear this. We'll be finding out exactly how far Bovril has travelled. Ah, uh, well, that's probably the most crucial thing we will have Isn't discussed it? in the last 20 so, or so pods. So thank goodness for that. Stay tuned for that. Okay, well, uh, uh, to tide me over, I suppose the only yeah. thing that we can really do is turn to yes. this week's guest. Oh, yes, that'll do. Yeah. Well, this week, as you well know, because I've said it's four parts over the last previous three weeks, so therefore oh, yes. this, by default, must be the fourth part of four. It's Chris Bentley. Yeah. Hooray! I don't know if you've heard, but Stingray saved his life. Is he really? I may have said that before as well. Anyway, Chris has written loads of Anderson books. He loves Anderson stuff. He's a very nice man. And this is your last chance to sit down and listen to him sitting next to his decanter as he tells us all of his favourite memories of all things Anderson. And um, yeah, why he's still writing about it all these years later. So here is Chris Bentley, part four. So, yeah. okay, so we leave the biography behind and then you're into serious writing time, right? So you've you've written a load of Anderson-related books. I've got the complete Jerry Anderson behind me. You mentioned the complete Thunderbirds, most recently The Vault. Just give mm. give us a quick top line of everything else. I mean, I know mm. that will mean we're here for another 20 minutes if you listen to books, but what, what else have you, uh, have you written in that time? <laughs> Well, after the, of course, after 
after uh, Complete Book of Thunderbirds, the next thing that came along the following year was Captain Scarlet. So the Thunderbirds book had, had done so well uh, for Carlton that they it was it was just a it was a form, mere formality really to say with they were relaunching Captain Scarlet um, in the same way and they wanted a Captain Scarlet book to go with it. And uh, I was much happier with the Captain the Captain Scarlet book because I got to have a bit more of input into the design of it i mean you know uh, design for print was that was the job i was doing at the time and i was i wasn't very happy at all really with complete book of thunderbirds and the way that that ended up looking so yeah complete book of captain scarlet i think was a was a much better book i was more confident with that and Mm. i had a bit longer to write it so then on the back of that uh, I got involved with uh, a publishing company called Reynolds and & Hearn, and they asked me to do the complete Jerry Anderson yep. episode guidebook, the complete book of UFO, uh, the UFO technical manual, and uh, I also wrote a book about location photography in <laughs> The Avengers, the, the nice. 60s British series. It's like a, it's like a, a travelogue of, of location locations that appear in yeah. in the Avengers, and uh, they they all seem to do very well. They mm. they all sold out very quickly, but uh, largely that's because the print runs. Oh, we don't talk about that, Chris. Come on, big. they sold out. I'm just trying to think. <laughs> yeah, but in comparison with there's, that's the this thing about you know Reynolds and Hearn was a niche a niche publisher. That's why we were able to yeah. do those kind of books. Carlton wouldn't have uh, you know wouldn't have even uh, dreamed of of trying to trying to yeah. uh, do those books because they wouldn't have the confidence even in a property like UFO to think that you know so many thousand people would actually want to buy a book about that series. Um, particularly when it yeah. wasn't on the television at the time. So, yeah, I think the, the complete book of UFO, we did uh, two or three editions of. Um, complete Jerry Anderson episode guide, we did three or four editions of, updated yeah. all the time. Um, I think the final edition was the one that, that, uh, that has all of um, yeah. New Captain Scarlet in it. That was when, that was when it was finally <laughs> finished, Yes, shall we say. And then after Reynolds and Hearn folded, one of the directors, Marcus Hearn, set up Signum Books and um, sort of like picked up the ball. And we did four volumes of Century 21, TV Century 21 comic strips and a full-color edition of Complete Book of UFO, Captain Scarlet, The Vault, and then the most recent one, Space 1999, The Vault. So, yeah, yeah. Yes, kept me quite busy. Clearly, clearly, <laughs> one way or another. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to go into 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 depth on the, the process <laughs> of doing something like the vault, but I know I know a lot of people. We we've sold out the vault. We can't get any more uh, space 1999. So it's been very very popular. Mm. After all this time, you mm. know, bearing in mind we're nearly 50 years on from the first series being produced. And I'm playing devil's advocate here because we know that people people love the book and they still want it, and that's amazing. But how can it possibly be that we can still mine, or you can still mine for information that creates something that you know, nearly five decades later, 
people are still attracted to. They still want to know what what new stuff are we telling them? What are we bringing together that that keeps people hooked? That was a challenge with with the Space 1999 book. Yeah, I mean that was that was from the off. That was okay. It's it's you know nearly fifty years since the program started being made, and so much research has already been done. There are some fantastic websites uh, on the internet. I could I could name check the Catacombs yeah. website, for instance, which is an, a, 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 an enormous yeah. resource of research of, on uh, on space nineteen ninety nine, and you you. You look at that website and think, you know, how can there possibly be anything new? What's the point in doing a book uh, about the show when all this stuff is already there? So, yeah, that was the that was the challenge of it. How? What can we do? What? What? What is there to say? And that was that was what I set myself uh, with the book. Really, was to try and try and find, you know, new material. Uh, I took as a starting point the idea that anybody picking up this book really had probably been watching Space 1999 for a very long time and didn't need to be told what the content of the episodes <laughs> yeah. was, what they were about. So I kind of bypassed that, really, we, we, on the episode spreads. They're not, they're not really episode guides as such. They're more companions because the idea is that there's a, there's, there's a little brief um, sort of introduction to remind you uh, what's, what's in this episode, but the, the pictures really do the rest. So then for the content of actually writing about an individual episode, I, I wanted to make it sort of uh, uh, integral to the book, not something that people should bypass, that it tells the, the you know, we tell the story of the making of the show mm. through the individual episodes, uh, progressing through, uh, you know, in the way, in the order in which they were made and, and uh, talking about the various production difficulties along the way and how they, you know, the, the main set of main mission uh, was was changed after four episodes, you know, because it was it was slowing production down, trying to get a dolly up and down the steps all the time. So they took the steps out, um, you know, just little little things like that that yeah. streamlined the production. And you don't necessarily notice those things uh, when you're watching them in a in a, a muddled up order. Uh, if you if you are eagle eyed to notice that the steps keep appearing and disappearing, well, <laughs> you've got a good eye because a lot of people, are, you know, never uh, you know have never noticed things like that. So uh, yeah, it's sort of high, trying to find something uh, things in in those within the context of each episode that uh, that people perhaps didn't know before. Uh, really, really taking a deep dive into trivia uh, in a lot of cases. Picking up on things like uh, earlier uses of the sound effects in uh, in sixties science fiction movies, and uh, uh, reappearances of props that uh, that have just been used in Doctor Who, suddenly turning up in Space nineteen ninety nine, and then going back to Doctor Who. Or have you ever noticed things like you know? Have you ever noticed this this little little pink perspex mobile that's sitting on Leo McKern's dining table in the infernal machine and that well that was just in doctor who and also a couple of horror <laughs> movies just before it and uh, you know so trying to also trying try to sort of like yeah. look outside the box of the series as uh, and, and give it context in in production terms and yeah that was that was the challenge of it that uh, trying trying to find 
those things for for you know every episode that people probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't have noticed before or didn't know about. Uh, and it surprised me actually that we could find well, those cl- things. Clearly, you found uh, quite a lot, time. and it's made people extremely happy. Chris, you've got a lot of very happy punters out there who are enjoying their copy of the vault, and a lot of annoyed punters who weren't able to get a copy from from us. But I think you can still get them on Amazon, uh, as far as I know, and probably from Planet <laughs> or Titan. So yes, highly highly recommended by us and by readers yes. alike. Is there any further vault mining? ahead is there anything any show an anderson show specifically that you'd like to do a vault of or are we are we out of ones that are as sufficiently interesting oh there's more oh, okay yes. go on chris what would you like to do oh yeah oh yeah yeah i mean what would i like to do i i i think i think uh there's the makings of uh, a very spectacular oh, space precinct vault simply because uh we were we were fortunate enough obviously to be uh to be uh, allowed to uh, take, in in essence, take part in the mm. in the filming of Space Precinct at the time it was being made, you know, your father very very kindly made arrangements for um, uh, myself and the late Ralph Titterton to visit the set on a frequent basis, so we could talk to the talk to the cast and crew, get a real insight into the making of of a television program. Yeah. I mean, it was an absolute eye opener for me you know, how a lot of those processes uh, work and uh, and also in life about how boring <laughs> the whole thing is if you're not actually involved in doing something. Yep, incredibly boring. Uh, so, so, but it's, yeah, it's exceptionally boring. And uh, I, I think there was one, uh, I remember one morning um, uh, I spent a week on the set watching an episode called Time to yes. Kill being made, which I, uh, I'm I'm quite delighted that I got to see that one being made because it yes. because oh, it is God. one of the best episodes of the series, and uh, and the uh, I, I sat spent the morning sitting on the mm. the upper level of the precinct house uh, one day with my feet dangling over the edge watching yeah. the filming down below and the preparation for a stunt scene where um, Captain Podlick falls from the balcony there, and the, crashes into the yes. into the desk. Yeah, because it oh, was you brilliant. There that day? Ah, well, yes. So you'll remember, of course, it was brilliant. And it wasn't, no. of course, it wasn't Jerome <laughs> Willis. Um, it was a very, a very talented, very, very talented stuntman wearing, wearing Podley's head. And they had to do it over and over again. And resetting resetting uh the the set every time because when he crashed down onto the table the, the, the table had to smash and uh if it wasn't you know it wasn't quite quite right they had to do it again and and while they were resetting i just nodded <laughs> off on the balcony because it was you know waiting you know waiting for it to happen it was just it was it was so boring that yeah, and then and then this sudden like sudden frenzy of excitement and, and action when the the stunt actually happens, and uh, that was and the fact that it's an, a, an hour's setup. Yeah, <laughs> it's an hour's setup for a three second shot of him falling off yeah. the not even three seconds probably. The amount of work per right. per on screen second in terms of man hours is yeah. insane on those things. But yeah, that's one of my my very kind of most excited happy memories yeah. of of hanging around Pinewood. Um. So yeah, okay. Well, I I I know a certain yeah. co-host of this podcast would be very pleased that there might be a space precinct, the vault, in the offing, and I've got oh, I'm I've sure got a great collection of stills. Sure so I've got 
yes. Well, likewise, because uh, your father allowed us to, um, you know, archive so much stuff, uh, you know, in the yeah. uh, in the club after filming completed. Because otherwise, it was. I mean, oh, we had a we had a dreadful day down in Wales, where um, uh, after filming, a lot of the stuff had been put away in a warehouse, and it absolutely poured with rain. And your father said, "Look, if you don't." You know, if you don't take mm. this, it's going to be destroyed, because you know we were paying paying for warehouse space, and the the, the second series yeah. wasn't going to happen. So yeah, we went down there with the van and tried just just tried to take as much as we could that the, you know, that we could essentially rescue yeah. and, and keep for posterity. And uh, it was heartbreaking to see uh, there was a uh, one of the warehouses had the full size police car in it, and the uh, you know that sort of green yeah. Volkswagen thing Ugly that the Brogans had, the flying Volkswagen. Yeah, um, so they were both in there, and and <laughs> you know we we actually we actually had a serious discussion about whether the club could afford to rent a warehouse to keep these things in, and it was it was yeah, I mean it was absolutely mm. ridiculous. We couldn't we couldn't afford to do that, uh, you know, on the club's budget, and so it was a matter of these things were going to be destroyed. And I th- I, th- I said, well, look. You know, we know these things are going to be uh, completely demolished. Let's at least try and save a bit of it. And I wrenched the door off the police car. <laughs> just went and tore it off. And, it, it, you know, it, it eventually it came it, it came Amazing. away in my hands. And uh, I've, so I've still got that in the garage here. And uh, it's the only part of that. Yeah. As far as I know, it's the only part of the full-size police car that right, survived. Chris. Well, th- thank you yeah. for your vandalism. Um so between us, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. So between us, um, you know, we've probably we've, we've probably got a lot of you know a lot of really fantastic photographs that have never been printed, and uh, you know, arc- arc- uh, artifacts from the show that you know that could be seen. So, you know, that would be, you know, that would be a fantastic book to be able to do. But unfortunately, you know, the reality of publishing is that I I doubt that there. You know, there will be enough interest, uh, you know, in it as a publishing. Never say never, Chris. To justify the expense. Well, okay. Never say never. Okay. You, <laughs> you might want to do I, it. I'm not saying a word, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I feel a personally run crowdfunding <laughs> campaign from one Richard James possibly uh, to, to make this happen, but we'll find out afterwards. <laughs> oh yeah, that would work. Yeah. Uh, look, Chris, I could I could merrily chat to you uh, all day about. Uh, all things Anderson, but we've we've covered a huge amount. Is there anything in the pipeline that you are able to say about, or that you want to say about, or is this lit, you know are we are all eyes on this hoped for space precincts, the vault? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, uh, you know in the in the um, uh, the wake of Space nineteen ninety nine, the vault coming out, people are asking me all the time, mm. you know, what's the next one? What are you what are you going to do next? And I really, I really don't know. Um, I, I, the one that uh, I think uh, might fly that uh, we have been having some discussions about, but, but can't promise anything at all. Possibly we might do a UFO Lovely. vault book because I think there's uh, there's enough um, yeah. material there that we could give it the vault, the same vault treatment in a way that we didn't cover at all in uh, really. To much extent mm. in the complete book of UFO, so I think I think that's a that's a potential, and I think that would that would 
um, you know, be very popular and would sell. So uh, that's what I've got my eye on at the moment. But as I say, you know, I'm not really the person to to, to promise that. No, but we, you um, know, we we could at least we could at so least hint and keep our fingers crossed, uh, and we can you know put some pressure on Marcus possibly. So that would be good. But obviously, space pre. Well, the space 1999. Yes. The space space has done really well. Sorry, Jamie. The space 1999 vault book. You know that came out of discussions that we had with people when yeah. Captain Scarlet Vault came out. That people were saying exactly the same thing. What are you going to do next? And we said, uh, we said at a, a Fanderson convention where we launched the book, and we said well, to people, "What well, what book would you like to see next?" And the majority of them said, "Space 1999: The Vault." So that happened because of that. So uh, <clears throat> you know, if 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 enough people would like to say they want to see uh, UFO: The Vault or or uh, or even space precinct the vault, you know, an indication of of, of interest, you know, to the publishers. Uh, Absolutely you know, does. So it really if, does. if you're thinking of either of those, email us podcast at jerryanson.com and I will pass them on to the publishers, uh, to, to Marcus. And also I'll pass them on to you, Chris, so you can see just how much love there is out there for Space Precinct. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, Chris. And is there anywhere on uh, on social media where people can uh, follow you, find out about you, or are you uh, avoiding things like that these days? No, no, I don't. I don't have any any social media presence at all. I I briefly uh, had a Facebook page <laughs> by accident. I didn't I didn't really understand what was happening, but I suddenly ended up with a Facebook page, and then uh, and then uh, two days later, they sent me a message saying. But my account was suspended because it didn't meet their uh, guidelines know, requirements. Uh, okay, standards. Wow, didn't meet their standards. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why they thought that because there was, was nothing the reason, on it. Chris. Uh, I hadn't, I hadn't even worked out how to put my own <laughs> photograph there. So <laughs> maybe wow. that was it. Okay, so, so uh, yeah, so I sort of briefly had this Facebook page, and then so it we're disappeared. Extremely lucky again. to have you on on a podcast, Chris, as <laughs> so, a social no, media. Uh, Maverick, who gets banned from these platforms, this is the only way to hear from you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. treasure well, it while I, it lasts. I have treasured it, and it has been brilliant. And I'm sure our <laughs> listeners will agree, Chris. And I, I hope we'll have you back on again to talk about the UFO vault and the space precinct vault uh, in due course. Anytime, Jamie. Well, well, great. What well, an well. interesting chat. And what a fantastic four episodes we've had from him. Absolutely. Really nice. yes. We'll miss you, yeah. Chris. Thank you so much for doing we it. We will. Uh, and as Chris says, you actually can't find him online. But uh, mm. if there are any future books coming or anything else, uh, well, we'll cover it on the Jerry Anderson website. So And here too. So you can hear about it there. Yes. Now, uh, next week and the following week, we've got Connor Flanagan, who is the uh, artist oh. and colorist from uh, New Captain Scarlet Operation Sabre. The physical version is Great. now out of print, having sold out. Right. But we do have an upcoming release of a digital version uh, in the next couple of weeks. So we thought we'd tie that in with a chat with Connor so you can hear how he got into all things Anderson, all things comic, and uh, what he loves about New Captain Scarlet. So um, Connor next week, following on from Chris. Ah, 
Nice, well done. That's very nice. Uh, now, over on our YouTube channel, uh, you can go down the Jerry Anderson rabbit hole if you so choose and mm. watch everything there from, um, oh, Beyond Anderson documentaries about uh, some of your uh, favourite Jerry Anderson actors or some primers from Chris Dale introducing you to series that you may not know or have forgotten about. Oh, to all sorts of things, even the podcast. And uh, what else is there, Jamie? Oh, uh, sometimes there's even free episodes of stuff. Free episodes, it's making true. ofs. We yeah. isolate our fab facts from uh, these Lovely. podcasts and put them up there. Um, there's yeah. all sorts of mini documentaries about how UFO became Space 1999, the number yes, of eagle crashes one. across the series. Um, Amazing. The difference between year one and year two. I mean, loads yeah. and loads of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there. Uh, and uh, beneath pod 225, John Clay mentioned, good podcast. Uh, I recommend the Secret Service CD, super real to real quality. Time Lash and Long Sleep are superbly made, particularly the trip sequence. Mm. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, Steve Harrison, we really need a new printing of Captain Scarlet the Vault. I know it didn't have the prestige or the history, the international fame compared to Titan publishing the Thunderbirds the Vault, but we American Ander fans were utterly underserved by the Scarlet Vault release, sorry to say. Uh, yes, well, yeah. unfortunately that is just the way things go. We're doing our best to make more headway into the mm. US yeah. uh, with the US store, jerryanderson.store. Yep. Uh, I don't think there is going to be a reprint of that book, I'm afraid to oh. say. Okay. Maybe 2027 for the 60th anniversary, maybe an updated oh, sure. version, sure. but uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't hold your breath. Yeah, uh, Sid Stevens has posted, my cousin Steve Tomlinson used to work for the Andersons, I believe. Does anyone remember him? Uh, it's not Thomas. a name that I know. No, I must do a quick Google. And, uh, but I'm, sure, I, you know, I'm sure somebody out there will know the name. Yeah, now, people have got, uh, got very excited uh, about a recent Fab Facts detailing Jerry's favourite snacks, of course. Uh, my <laughs> favourite snacks, says Ian Dealey, include peanut M&Ms, jelly babies, chocolate chip cookies and Walker's crisps. Oh, if I worked at a film studio, I would definitely ask for all of those treats. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I'm so, uh, yeah, my mouth's watering now. Yeah, my stomach's watering. Dan Jenkins says, a few years ago, before Thunderbirds came out on DVD, my favourite pastime was to cook up some bangers and mash with plenty of butter, pop in one of my favourite DB videos, or TB videos rather, and settle down for an FAB hour. Oh, nice. Yes. Uh, JS says, ah, Bovril, here we go, ready for this? Oh yes, crucial Bovril information. Yep. J.S. Prooks says Bovril is in Canada too. There were some catchy TV ads in the 80s. As a drink, it's yuck, but it serves well as a substitute for chicken broth in a recipe. Oh, I quite like it as a drink, I have to say. Yeah, fair enough. I'm going to make one after this, actually. Yeah, let's make this the last word on the uh, Bovril controversy. NZ Hippie says Bovril travels to New Zealand. Amazing. Isn't it? It's better travel than you and I. It certainly is. I mean, is it, is it a particular? Is it a? Is it a British? Is, is that an export? Is it a particularly British thing? Must be. Make here well, it sounds like a Commonwealth it to the thing, the doesn't it? You know, sure, if it's in Canada, yeah. New Zealand, I suspect. Yeah. 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 It is quirkily British, though. I'm sure. Yeah, all for now. But there are plenty of ways to get in touch. You can email us at podcast at jerryanderson.com. You can comment beneath all those YouTube videos, and I'll try and pick up your comments there. You can even tweet us, uh, hashtagging us Jerry Anderson Podcast, tagging me, Richard and James, him over there, I'm Jamie Anderson, and him over there about to press the big red button, Chris Dalek. Or you can comment on our Facebook group, and I shall pick up your comments there. All sorts of ways to get in touch. Yeah, in fact, there's no excuse not to get no, in touch, essentially. There really isn't. So no. there you go. Uh, now, something that people tend to comment on YouTube videos in particular about is the randomizer. 
because Chris yes, says things right about stuff and sometimes people disagree with him. Um, yeah. It's about to, to, time we find out if you agree or disagree with this week's randomizer as Chris presses the big red button or finds someone else to or some in some other way chooses a random episode of a random Jerry Anderson show. <laughs> I like that you're, you're covering all bases there, I have you? to, I have to, otherwise I get told <laughs> I off. I know, uh, that's true, yeah. Anyway, he does those things somehow. Here's this week's randomizer. Yes? Sir George. Speaking. Who's that? Just listen. I wanted to warn you, Sir George. Warn me? Of what? That you'll be pressing the button on the randomizer today. Who is this? Who is this? Do you see the large red box on your desk? Is this a practical joke? It was supposed to have been loaded last night. I took it off the hover liner and snuck it in here for you, didn't I? To give you that sporting chance. Mr. Jamie and Mr. Richard were quite keen to have you do it this week. I resent the fact that they were. Unless you want me to find somebody else? No, we'll handle this ourselves. Nothing must go wrong. Nothing will go wrong. That's the spirit, Sir George. Now, perhaps you'll tell me what we'll be watching today. This project was sponsored by the British and American governments. Uh, I see. Uh, could you perhaps give me a bit more information? An outstanding example of international cooperation. International? Uh, sounds like a protector's episode to me, sir. And that's exactly what we're going to do. I see, sir. Right. Well, don't just stand there. Yes, best be off then. Oh, and uh, one more thing. Goodbye, George. Forget it. So... We're back with the Protectors on the Randomizer. It's Series 2. We're back in Venice, uh, which is a very nice place. Uh, I think we were in Venice before for Decoy, which was the first Protectors episode we got on the Randomizer. And here is a chap. It's Paul Jones of, of Manfred Mann, no less. Um, also later of Space 1999, The Black Sun. Um, he's filling a, a suitcase full of stuff from a, a Venice apartment. And where is he going to take that? Well, it's just going to take it to the bridge over a canal. And uh, if we make sure no one's watching. Uh, well, there's that lady over there. She's watching. As he chucks it into the water. And there it was. Gone. Mystery. Goodbye, George. So after a brief but uh, I think somewhat effective teaser, we're off to New York. Get our title, Goodbye George, and written by Brian Clements, directed by Michael Lindsay Hogg, uh, who is a name I, I vaguely recognised, I looked him up, and he's done a lot, he's, he's Sir Michael Lindsay Hogg in fact, um, look him up, he's done a lot of, um, a lot of music related stuff, music videos and such with the Beatles and so on. Anyway. Don't ask me to pin it down. Contessa has gone to New York to meet... But those letters don't ring true. Uh, this, well, the actor's name is Lionel Merton. Yeah, I'm not sure. You notice he doesn't mention George. He's um, asked the Contessa to look at some letters from his son. Because, yes, for two Protectors episodes in a row, we have... It's the return of um, businessman Father McMoneybags, who is worried about their child. 
Oh dear. Again, I said, didn't I say in Burning Bush it was a recurring trope? And here, here again, we have it. After Venice, I shall need something more concrete than. Yes, he's um he's been reading his son's letters, and they don't ring true somehow. And after Italy to paint. Also, interestingly, uh, considering the last time we did the Protectors was Burning Bush, which Naridor and Porter was not in, this week she carries the uh, the episode solo. And I do wonder if perhaps there was, like there was on Series 2 of Space 1999, some kind of two episodes at once arrangement. Two episodes being shot at once. Since then, and don't ask me how I got hold of these figures, 40,000, 28,000, 30,000. Now, I may just be a suspicious old man, but to me, this means just one thing. Blackmail? My son is in trouble of some kind. I'd be very grateful if you could find out exactly what it is. And if any of my money can help, oh, uh, well, being father of dad muckrich bags Munnington, uh, I think that's him out of the story now, because the Contessa is in Venice. Uh, Lionel Merton was in a wheelchair, so he wasn't leaving New York. But we have this other guy. Uh, this, I think he's a private detective, we find out later on, who's kind of watching her arrive. And the actor, I don't really recognise him except from this episode. He kind of looks like he should be in an American detective show. He looks like he should be on the Rockford Files or something. I don't know what it is. He's probably done tons of British things that I've never seen. Anywho, Paul Jones is, uh, well, he's he's um, got a little notepad with those same monetary denominations that uh, Father Richington McMoneybags mentioned earlier. Who is it? The Contessa di Contini. The star of the show. No doubt you'd have heard now of me. Now open up, dear boy. I like, though, that she's playing up the uh, the aristocracy card here. Mmm. Mm, I feel it. I definitely feel it. Mm, she's trying to be cool. The air positively tingles with it. Look, Not I... Not only do I feel... Because Paul Jones is a uh, struggling artist in, uh, in Venice. But maturity will come. Yes, it will come. Is this for sale? No, sorry. And what is? Nothing. Oh. And it's 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 a a fun uh, way for the character to introduce herself into this guy's life because he's obviously a struggling artist and she has a lot of money, and even though he's up to something suspicious, we can tell um, he's clearly not going to turn away a uh, thinking a lady who clearly has money and a desire to buy some of his work. Yeah, boy. Perhaps we shall be able to arrange an exhibition for you. You know, I'm always prepared to back genuine talent. That's very kind of you, but I'm... You're busy. Yes. Yes, this character's name is Casper uh, Parton. How's George? Friend of George. George Millworth. It was George Millworth, who is the son of Richington McMoneybags. Oh, I met Fleetingly at a party recently. I, I can't think where. You haven't answered my question. How is he? Uh, George hasn't been around in a long while. Ah. Yes, you can tell by the look on Paul Jones' face, he's uh, he's trying to figure out an explanation. It's clear something has happened to George. Something, something sticky. Um, and I, honestly, I was disappointed when I, I first saw this episode and I saw the title was Goodbye George, and it wasn't a follow-up to the first season episode, The Bodyguards. How could she? I'm going to leave that hanging, because I know that some people doubt my protector's fan credentials, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that, that point hanging there. That uh, I, I saw the title, Goodbye George, I wanted a sequel to The Bodyguards. And if you know the show, you'll know why. Because I liked George. Anywho, the Contessa is, uh, well, looking at magazine racks. What's she got on there? Zorro, El Santo, Tarzan... 
probably quite a few recognisable comics titles. But there's no time for browsing comics because Caspar is... Oh, no, maybe there is time for browsing comics. No, no. We've got to get on with the show. Caspar uh, is making his way across the uh, this courtyard in Venice. Pigeons everywhere, as you might expect. And not only is the Contessa following him, but so is... Uh, Reject Detective from American Detective Show Guy. So it's all a bit suspicious, but luckily we've got this very cool... I think on the, the network soundtrack album it is just called Following Theme, which is quite quite a nice uh, title. And here we are in the bank. No, just give me an envelope. I've got it. Casper has withdrawn money. Ah, yes, the blackmail denominations. So he's now got that money. And the Contessa is now following him. But again, this this um, reject from Hario is, is still on her trail. And Venice does look lovely as well. It's a really nice day in Venice as well, by the look of it. And this is one of the reasons I'd, I'd love to see the Protectors get a full HD remaster, because some of the location stuff is just gorgeous. Nairi Dawn Porter has made some friends with the pigeons. She's got some bird food, and they've immediately swamped her. And she's noticed that Caspar is handing that money over to a young lady played by... Another returning uh, face, this is Geraldine Moffat, who was previously in UFO, The Cat with Ten Lives. Uh, Nari Dawn Porter is just about buried in pigeons at this point. So, it's all all go. There's, um, you know, if you're a private detective, who do you follow at this point? Do you follow the girl who's got the money, or do you follow Caspar? Well, Contessa's sticking with the girl. Um, bargain bin Petrocelli, where's he gone? Oh, he followed her too. He's just gonna loiter around now while she has a word with Geraldine Moffat. Who, I, I don't know if, if anyone else thinks this, and I don't believe they are related. They could be for all I know, I've not checked. But I've always felt Geraldine Moffat looked very similar facially to uh, another actor named John Moffat. It's probably just me, but if you compare those two faces side by side, they do look very similar. And how much money can I squeeze out of you? Oh. <laughs> Forgive me. But you are obviously a woman of wealth and quality. I receive many such people, enjoying so many good things of life, and trying to salve their consciences by giving freely. Giving? To the many good causes we endeavour to assist. The Santa Pura Charities Appeal. Ah. And surely such a an innocent charity would explain how Geraldine Moffat can afford, like, half a dozen necklaces she's wearing there. Uh, he does give you donations, doesn't he? A very generous man, Signor Pardo. He gives so freely that I think he must have a very bad conscience indeed. Mm. Or a young man that he's led astray and uh, led into getting money from his father, Rich Bags McMunnington. Ah, oh, there's the guy from... Uh, right, and you were careless. The woman you spoke of, she followed. From Hawaii Five-O, he's still following them. No, I shall take care of it. I know a man who specialises in such things. And I'm now starting to run out of American detective shows. What haven't I, what 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 haven't I called on from that era? Let's see. So, it is now 
Um, well, it's opening a door and walking into it stealthily, only pointing the camera at the guy's shoes. Okay, it's night time. The Contessa is back in her apartment. Someone has let themselves into her apartment. And she's thrown a glass in his face. Oh, there he is. The reject from Starsky and Hutch. Take an automatic to bed. These are emancipated times. Back up. Oh, I, I like you. You've got style. Take that. I really like the Contessa, actually, in this episode. She's... But first. She's such a strong presence in this episode, again, being the only regular character. It's almost like we're watching a different show. Small detective agency. Oh, I have got credentials. With your left hand, if you don't mind. And Nori Dawn Porter is properly tough with this gun. Check the ID. Well, why on earth didn't you just knock? He's a card-carrying member of the uh, 1970s TV Detectives Club. It's figured on uh, searching your luggage to find out who you are. Why? I'm working for an insurance agency. We're looking for George Millworth. Oh, there's that name again. The thief. You forged some securities covered by my clients. Well, I've been following you ever since you contacted Casper Parton. Hmm. That doesn't sound like George. We used to knock around together. We were led to believe George was quite an upstanding young man. What's going on here? Millworth just dropped off the world a few months ago. Nobody's seen him since. Tell me about Millworth. Well, he's got a bad record. Forgery, contracts, blackmail, larceny. Hmm. Blackmail? Hmm. Yeah, that doesn't sound like uh, like George at all. It could. Help yourself. No, I haven't touched it for five years. I've got to... Well, I've got to watch my weight. Look, give me a lead. Give me a break. Now, we're crossing wires. Now, I want to know where. Mm. Well? Yes, it's nice that the Contessa has this guy to... Uh, I think that Casper Parton is being blackmailed. Not assist as such. But someone who's working on on the same case from a different angle. Of course, what better front for a blackmailer than a charity organisation whose main function is to receive money? You know, I think I'll case that whole joint over tomorrow, or maybe tonight. So he's Irish, this guy. My gun back. Help yourself. But he just looks. He just screams. Nineteen late nineteen sixties, early nineteen seventies American detective shows. I don't know what it is about him. He's probably had a long and illustrious British television career that I am completely oblivious to. Anyway, the Contessa has gone back to sleep. Once again, the door to her bedroom is opening silently and in walks. Someone, again very stealthy, closing the door behind them. But will she handle this as well as she handled the other guy? Oh, well, he's got something he's going to... Uh, Not really, Mr. Mayor. Strangle her with... Oh, dear. And this guy, oh, he looks like he has grey hair. She can't get the gun. Oh, dear. Yes, this is all there. This is interestingly shot, because it's, it's, a lot of it is reflected in a, a mirror across the room. Oh, that's it. She uh, grabbed a statue, clubbed him in the face. And, oh, okay. Uh, well, he, um, he's fallen out of her hotel bedroom window. But to be honest, I'm not sure how. The, the fall seems to have happened completely off screen. He got, he got edited to his death there, I think, that guy, whoever he was. Speaking of whoever he was, this guy, our American detective friend, is investigating the, uh, the charitable charity place. He seems to have a key for every occasion he's managed to let himself in. Oh, that's a screwdriver. 
We have identified the man, Contessa. Oh, yay! I recognise him immediately. Here he is, this guy. Um, his name is Arnold Diamond. He was a uh, French policeman. He was in a lot of ITC shows, but he was uh, a French policeman in about half a dozen episodes of The Saint. Uh, his name was Colonel Latignon. Uh, and he was also, he had also been in an Anderson thing before, he was in Doppelganger. Uncredited, he's one of the the um, faces on the voice conference, not voice conference, video conference, at the beginning of Doppelganger. I appreciate there are certain ethics... I think he might have been the uh, the French ambassador or... reason why that man should have attacked me. ...division of Eurosec or something. He's not getting much out of the Contessa. She's not in the mood to do much except... Uh, Look pensive and smoke. But he's leaving her to it. Surely there's nothing in this phone call that she's about to receive that could help with the case. I took my own advice. What do you mean? I started drinking again. The Santa Pura Charities Appeal. What have uh -huh. you found? Why don't you come over here and have a look for yourself? I'll be waiting. Oh, uh, I've got a big surprise for you about the dame who runs this joint. Oh. I'm promising you so much wonderful stuff. Wouldn't it be a shame if you came all this way over and I'd ended up dead? But that's not going to happen. So you come on over, take your sweet time. I'll, I'll be here no matter what. And a very, very nice taxi ride across the river. Again, Venice just looks so lovely. And the Contessa has arrived at the charity place, which is run out of a really crummy building by the look of it. But inside she finds the door still unlocked. The room has been ransacked. It looks like a lot of files and uh, valuables have been cleared away. And the river police are being uh, called over by some uh, guys on the shore. What have they found? Well, I suspect... Body. Oh no, not American detective guy. Ah. With a bottle next to him. Oh, and he's very dead. And very wet. He's clearly been uh, dumped in the canal. Framed to make it look like he drank himself to death. Contessa di Contina? Yes. Oh, uh, no, you're the Contessa di Contini. Yes. Where can I find him? In the mortuary. They pulled him out of the canal an hour ago. Accident. He got drunk, fell out of his boat, got drowned. Drunk? But he didn't drink. You think I don't know that? Oh. Now, what's your interest in this? What do you know about Bond? Robert Rietti is telling her off. I, um, right, so, the police were listening in. Everyone's a bit suspicious of this suspicious death, as well they might be, which is a bit suspicious. But the Contessa is still going to try and solve this on her own, and the best way to do that is to go back and see Paul Jones, a.k.a. Casper Parton, a.k.a. nobody else. It is a great deal, senor. He oh, but Casper's out. He's out at the bank, getting himself more money. Not to it for long. Ooh. So... I suspect that Casper might be passing all this money from the blackmail to Geraldine Moffat, and then they're going to make off together when they've got enough money. What's this? The Contessa has found in the fireplace, which she was clued into because it seemed to have been still warm, a recently burnt page of something. Ooh, that looks like a passport of some kind to me. Passport of... 
George Millworth, aka Missing Friend Guy. But, uh, is all as it seems? I don't think it is, you know. This is all a bit too, uh, too pat for me. Hello, Casper. What is this? Breaking into my studio. I told you I have nothing for sale. I won't pretend to be buying paintings anymore, Casper. But you mustn't pretend either. George Millworth. He is dead, isn't he? Yes. And no. Yes. And I killed him. <gasps> oh, no. You better tell me about it. I'll tell you, I'd be glad to. I've been carrying it around like a mountain on my back for months now. I want to tell you. Tell someone. And I like that uh, Paul Jones is playing genuine nice guy here. George was a thief, did you know that? He's quite believable. He and Maria set up that charity place for one purpose. Which is all uh, all to the, uh, the scene's advantage, of course. We became friends, George and me, and, and then later Maria. That was the plan, you see. The old badger game with me in the middle. Sure, I fell for Maria. And then when I found out she was his wife. <gasps> what? Well, you didn't know Ooh. that? Sure. That's a twist. Mrs. Millworth, a great team. So that was the big surprise Barney had for me. Hmm? Ah. Oh, nothing. Go on. Barney. Why's his name Barney? I didn't catch his name. I waffled all over the detective guy's name. George. Right here. I hit him. He fell. He hit his head. There. Didn't get up anymore. Oh, well. Then it wasn't murder. Look, I killed him. Yes, but accidentally you didn't mean it. No. Hmm. Because all great detective shows end with accidental death. That's just as interesting as real death, which again makes you think, oh, maybe all is not as it appears here. She found out what I did. I'm spoiling it because I'm really keen to get to the twist. I like the twist. Final payoff. And also once the twist comes, I realise I don't have much time left to talk about it. It's a very quick, sudden twist at the end here. She's coming here? Any moment to collect. Oh, that's her. No. This is my party. I've been a mouse long enough. Oh, Caspar's helped himself to the Contessa's gun. He's going to put everything right now. He's going to pull the gun on. What's going on? We were just talking. I had to keep it talking. On the Contessa. Funnily enough, it was the truth I told. Because she's rumbled them. Except for two tiny details. It wasn't an accident, my killing George. And I didn't kill George. Oh, here it comes. I killed Caspar. Right. See, I'm George. Or, I was. I'm Caspar Parton now. George is a very naughty boy. You get the airline tickets? Yes. And now they're skipping the country. And interestingly, that line, I'm Caspar Parton now. There was a version of this episode, and it's the version that I first saw, played on uh, Granada Plus. That was where I first saw the show. As the closing title started... Do, 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 do. Just before the song started, you heard that line again. I'm Cashmere Parton now. It was muffled, but it was clearly on the track. Uh, I don't know if any other people remember that. That line randomly turning up on the end credits of some copies of this episode. But our very quick ending has snuck up on us here. Uh, I guess the police have... Yes, just murdered... Bye, George. George, before he could uh, escape with the money and Geraldine Moffat. 
And that's it. We're done. That's the end of Goodbye George. And uh, I really like that episode, actually. I think, as, as I said, it's really nice to get the Contessa leading an episode for a change. And it, when one of the the characters leads an episode, it almost like it's almost like this becomes a different show. At one end of the spectrum, we have that going completely wrong. With it could be practically anywhere on the island with Robert Vaughan starring alone here. Naridorn Porter carries a really strong story, a really nice guest cast, and uh, yeah, overall, I really enjoyed Goodbye George. Well, goodbye, George. I mean, uh, protectors, sorry, yeah, not for me. Yeah, but, you no, know, it's their own. You're absolutely right, yeah. Did you enjoy that randomizer, Postron? You did. Oh, okay, oh, well, interesting. Oh, no, sorry, you didn't. I couldn't tell what you were shaking your head <laughs> there because we can't see you. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's the, the thing with the randomizer, isn't it? Sometimes it's Torchy, sometimes it's Thunderbird, sometimes it's Joe 90, sometimes it's Terrorhawk, sometimes it's the yeah, yeah, no, you don't have to go through them all, Jamie. We get it. Sometimes we get, it, we get the premise oh, of the randomizer. Uh, okay, anyway, well, next week, random. because it's random, yeah, hopefully it's random. it'll be something else. Yes, yeah. something random. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Thanks, Chris. So, yeah, I mean, that's it, really. Yeah. I haven't got anything else to add unless you do. No, I've got nothing else to add. No, I've, uh, I've, I've spent. I've peaked. That's it. It's all downhill from now on. Me too. Well, now you've been talking about snacks, I've got to go and get myself something. Ooh. So um, I think it's nice. time we left our uh, clammy-eared and probably now rumbly-tummied Podstrons, thanks to mm-hmm. all the talk of food. Yeah. Uh, go and get yourself a snack. You deserve yeah. it, Podstron. Make sure also to leave us a rating when you get a chance and make sure you subscribe to this podcast and share it with some chums who might enjoy yes. listening as well. Mm-hmm. They might. That's all. So, yeah. yeah. Cheers then. Thanks. Have a Bye. great one. Enjoy your snack. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Work out what to have. Well, where do you stand on a battered sausage? Um, oh. As close as possible to it, preferably <laughs> at a negative distance where I'm already chewing it. Um, yeah, I'm a yeah. big fan of battered sausage. Um, Lovely. In fact, producer Ben Page has just moved mm. to the UK into Scotland, he and has. we were discussing yeah. with him, weren't we, the yes. um, the benefits or otherwise of uh, a deep fried Mars bar. That's right. That's um, right. Oh, I see him salivating now, even though I know they're disgusting. Um, I, I couldn't eat a deep fried Mars I've bar. eaten half of one before and it was just Ooh, so... Too much. Too, it was yeah. too much. Um, but no, I just, mm. I don't know, I fancy a bit of, even a, even a bit of nice honey on toast, that would do me okay. nicely. Okay, um, um, I could do that for you, rustle up something. Oh, thank you. Some honey on toast. Would you, would you like a chopped up banana on it? Or I might be pushing it too far. Dad was the oh. Dad was a fan of a banana sandwich. I love a banana sandwich. Um, we, we forgot to mention that in the snack fact a couple of weeks <laughs> ago. Yes, yes. Um but yeah. no I'm I'm okay with honey. Crispin Morell's a big fan of honey on toast as well. <laughs> is he really? Yeah, I had that the last I couple mean, of times I've been to see him. Wow. These th- this is why people listen to the Jerry Anderson podcast. I know. Because where else <laughs> are you gonna hear facts like that? <laughs> Literally nowhere. But there's a good reason for that, because nobody cares. <laughs> right, anyway, uh I'm All gonna right, go then. and make a snack, so um Yeah. 
Okay. Have a good one. Cheers, Dickie. Bye. 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 You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.